before I came to, uh, to Troy's minister, I, I worked for a company called Midwest Paint Equipment. I, I traveled literally all over the Midwest, uh, several different states working on, as you might guess, paint equipment. Uh, one winter morning, I was on my way to Des Moines, Iowa. I had to be at a Lowe's store in Des Moines, Iowa. And, uh, I got just about to the Missouri, Iowa border and it began to snow. It was real light, just, just a few flakes here and there. And I wasn't concerned. Now I was driving my, my service truck was a, uh, an old, an old, uh, Toyota Tacoma rear wheel drive. Now I had a lot of weight in the back because I had a lot of, a lot of equipment with me, a lot of, a lot of parts, but, but it was a small thing and rear wheel drive and, uh, had, I think at that point I had about 350,000 miles on it. Um, uh, my boss liked to, to get his value out of his vehicles and, and, and as I entered into Iowa and kept going north, the, the snow picked up a little bit intensely. Not a lot. I mean, it wasn't like it, it just started coming down. It just, just a little bit. In fact, it wasn't even really getting on the, the grass yet or the highway. But as I continued to go north, I got to, to about New Virginia. If you're, if you travel that direction, we remember that because that's halfway to Crystal's house. And, and we got, I got to about New Virginia and it picked up a little bit more in intensity. And you just started to see some of the snow gathering on the, on the shoulders. Now, the traffic lane where people are driving, there was nothing, but, but I thought, you know what, I, I better be careful. So I slowed down, a, you know, I was zipping along at 70. I slowed down to about, about, about 58, 60 miles an hour. And I still had cars zipping past me. And, and, and I get, I'm about 30, I'm about 30 miles south of Des Moines. I'm, I'm just zipping along. Like I said, the roads weren't bad. Cars were passing me. And, and all of a sudden that truck started to slide. Now, first thing I did is I took my foot off the gas. I, 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 I know how to, I know what to do. I took my foot off the gas. I turned into the, steered into the skid and, and, uh, it recovered, but then it slid the other way. And I steered into that and it recovered and slid the other way. Next thing I knew, I am, I am out of control and I am sliding backwards while spinning through the media. It was one of those little, and, and I remember, oddly enough, I remember being fairly calm, uh, fairly calm through the whole thing. It was, and, I don't know that I thought of it. And now I look back, I, I probably should have started singing, Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, cause, cause I, there was nothing I could do. I knew I was toast. There's nothing I could do that, that would recover at that point. And, and I remember as I slid through, uh, thinking, uh, and literally this did come to mind. This is not good. Um, I, I made it all the way through the median. I stopped in the southbound lanes of I-35, uh, in, in the, driving lane, the right line, facing north. So I'm stopped, and, and to make it worse, it was kind of at the bottom of a small hill. I stopped, and and the first thing I thought was, am I alive? Am I alive? I, I, I kind of checked, like, you know, whew, I'm, I survived. And then I, I, I surveyed the situation. I'm sitting in the southbound lanes of uh, facing north uh, at the bottom of a hill. This is not, so I finally got... I got the car turned around. It hadn't died. I got it turned around, kind of did a, a couple turns, got going again at a, a very reasonable speed. Um, went to the next rest stop, maybe checked some things to make sure everything was okay. And, and, uh, <laughs> I, and really I kind of was driving like nothing had happened. Like, you know, as people pass me, it's like, slow down there. It's, <laughs> but uh, when something like that happens to you, uh, that, that's one thing 
at the end, you're like, am I alive? You're in a car wreck. And when, when, when the squealing stops and the crunching stops, you, you, you check yourself. Am I right? If you, if you've ever fallen before, you're, you're walking down a slick street or maybe just trip and stumble and fall. Uh, you, you, uh, you, you start to question yourself. Am, am, am I, am I alive? Is everything okay? You start to check yourself or maybe, maybe you've, uh, had a, had a nightmare and in the middle of the night where you finally wake up and what you do is you check your surroundings. You realize, Oh, I'm, I'm in my bedroom. Uh, I'm, I'm alive. Uh, when that happens, when those things happen, you, you check to make sure you're alive. The church at Colossae, uh, was going through a spiritual, cri- uh, spiritual crisis, a, a false teaching had been introduced, had it been introduced, we, we've talked about the last few weeks, it had been introduced and it, it threatened to wreck their faith. They, they had fallen prey, or, or at least there was the fear that they would fall prey to a teaching that was robbing them of their spiritual life. And, and they were living somewhat of a spiritual nightmare of uncertainty. So Paul writes to them and challenges them by he doesn't put it exactly this way, but he really is challenging them with this question, am I alive? He wants them to, to check themselves, to, to, to do a quick check of their, their bearings and ask, am I alive? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter two. We're going to, I'm actually going to start in verse four, so they probably don't have that on the screen this morning. Our text starts in verse six, but I'm going to back up just so you catch the context a little bit. I'm going to start in verse 4. So in, in chapter 2 of Colossians, verse, starting with verse 4, it says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So we've been talking about that, that there's false teaching. And, and so he, refer, he references that. I don't, I don't want you to get confused by fine-sounding arguments that's going to lead you astray. So now look at verse 6. Then verse 6 says this. So then, just as you... Receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthening the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Again, he's referring back to what we've been talking about, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in God. That's where that question, am I alive, comes from. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So, so I think Paul, in, in, in part is wanting the church there to ask this question, am, am, am I alive? Am I alive? And, and it's a question I want you to ask yourself this morning. When you think of your spiritual 
your spiritual situation, am I alive? And, and if you ask that question, I think Paul points out three things in this text that, that if we look at these, the really answers to the question, if we can say, yes, yeah, that, that's right, then we know we're alive. So here's the first one. Did you receive Christ? Verses six and seven says, and then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up him, strengthening in faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Every, every question, every, uh, every, Every false teaching, every distortion of the truth, uh, of God's truth, starts with changing who Jesus is. It, it, it starts with minimizing who he is and his importance or, or simply removing Jesus altogether from the equation. Now, it seems like a simple question, uh, an obvious question, an elementary question. Did I receive Christ? But, but it's an important question for the church at Colossae to to, to ask of themselves and to answer. And it's an important question for us to ask of ourselves today. Now, now let me, let me get you to listen up for just a second here, if you will. We, we oftentimes face crisis. Um, uh, we, we face a crisis sometimes. And, and part of the crisis is when, when something's happening in our life, when things aren't happening the way we want, when we're right in the middle of a bunch of garbage in our life, we might think to ourselves, is God showing up? Is God showing up the way I think he should? So, Because we get this idea, well, God's going to answer it this way. God's going to show up, and this is how he's going he's to deal with it. But oftentimes, when we're in the middle of a crisis, we, it's true of myself anyway, God doesn't show up the way I think he should, or certainly doesn't show up when I think he should, or or maybe we're not even sure he's showing up at all. We're, we're kind of, God, are you... Are you there at all? Man, I am right in the middle of it. I, I'm going through a hard time. God, are you there? Or, or maybe we kind of look, we look at what's going to happen. The, the, we're, we're at the start of that crisis and we know it's not going to get better anytime soon. And we, we begin to wonder, God, are you ever going to show up in this crisis? Or maybe, or maybe we're facing a, uh, spiritual crisis. We're going through something spiritually. Uh, it's, it's not physical. It's not like something's happened, but just our spirit. We, if you're honest, we, we probably have all gone through those. Uh, maybe you don't feel God in your life. You don't feel his direction. You don't feel his blessing. Maybe you don't feel, uh, his direction. You, you're, you kind of have a spiritual dryness and, and, and you're facing this crisis. Well, well, God, I mean, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling motivated. I'm not, I just don't. Man, I just don't feel like you're there. Or, or maybe we're just plain having doubts. You're wondering, is there another way? Is there some other way we can do this? That, I think that's really what was going on at, with the Colossian church. That they were, the, the false teaching was giving them the idea, well, well, you don't have to go through Jesus. You, you can go a different direction. You can go through someone else. There's another way that you can get there without going through Jesus. If you find yourself in a place in a place of crisis, in a place like this, ask the question, am I alive? By asking, did I receive Christ? So he said in verse 6, so then, just as you received Christ as Lord, 
So, so it really is kind of two questions. One, let me just toss those out, and, and then we'll finish this thought and move on. Do you know him? See, if if you know Jesus, and second one, is he Lord? So if you know Jesus and he is Lord, even if you're having a crisis of faith, even even if you spiritually are dry or or you're facing a crisis in your life, if you know Jesus and he is Lord, and check yourself, well, I, I guess I'm alive. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, our small group gathered at Jason and Jennifer Westein's, uh, and it it was later in the evening. We had already eaten, and, and and we gathered around. They had a little fire going, and Jason had it stoked up, and it was it was nice. And we were enjoying sitting around this fire. And some of you know where I'm going with this. Uh, uh, we were sitting around the the fire talking. It the fire had started down died down just a little bit, so it kind of was was starting to get a little bit dark and. And we heard this noise, and it really, I was, I was a couple seats away from my, my good friend Bobby, and, and, but I heard this noise, and I glanced over, and all I saw was Bobby's feet up in the air. His, his chair had, uh, uh, Jason had rigged it earlier in the day, and it, 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 it happened just like he had planned it. The, the chair literally just fell apart, and Bobby fell backwards, his feet stuck up in the air, and the darkness, that's really all I saw was two feet up in the air. And immediately, I think there was eight of us there, immediately all of us jumped up and we ran over to Bobby and, and we were pushing each other away so we could be the first to make sure he was okay and say, brother, can I help you up? You didn't hurt yourself, did you? Well, Bobby doesn't remember it that way because none of us, including his lovely wife to his left, none of us got out of our seats at all. We, we all joined together in laughter and and literally, I don't know, I never did get up. I don't know who, someone finally did get up to help him up. Yeah, just, but, 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 now, it's funny when it's not you in that position. Uh, none of us want to find ourselves in, uh, in a crisis. None of us ever want to find ourselves flat on our back with our spiritual feet up in the air. Uh, but if we've received Christ and we know Him and He is Lord, then it's going to be okay. So so right in the middle of crisis, Paul says, so just as you receive Christ, live in it. Um, here's the second thing he says, are you full of Christ? Uh, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by hollow and deceptive, uh, de- deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tra- tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So that's the false teaching. Look at verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So we've talked about that in the last few weeks. So, so Jesus was fully God. So all of God lived in Jesus. He was fully there. Christ, who you have been... Uh, uh, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So, so we are, we are to be full of Christ. The Greek word there that is translated fullness, he does it two different times. He talks about, uh, that Jesus has the fullness of God and that we're to have the fullness of Christ. The Greek word 
that is translated fullness in this version is, is probably better for us if we'd understand this. I'll, I'll tell you what the word is, and it'll make more sense to you, I think. The, the better way to translate that is fullness. It, it really means what it says. Fullness. Now, now the practical application, how, how they might have used that word to, in, in, in more of a practical everyday setting would be, would be like a basket. So, so if you had a basket that you'd put vegetables or fruit in and you were taking this basket over to a friend, you might throw some vegetables and, and some fruit in it and take the basket over to them, give, give it to them. But if you had taken that same basket and you had, you had heaped it to overflowing, you had so many apples and oranges in it that, that every step you took, an apple would roll off and you'd stop and pick it up and another step, an orange would fall off. You'd, that's the idea that he was talking about. Fullness. Are you full of Christ? When when I was a kid, um, our our tradition was to open uh, Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. So 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 my siblings, my mom and dad, and my my mom's parents, Grandma and Grandpa Hartman, would meet at our house, and we would eat supper, and then we had to wait the uh, the what took like two hours for them to do dishes because we couldn't do we couldn't open gifts till every last dish was washed, dried, and put away. And I think mom and grandma just just piddled to make us suffer. But finally that was all done. We had opened all of our gifts. So Christmas Eve was was our big celebration. But on Christmas Day, we would we would venture across the street, literally across the railroad tracks to to my aunt and uncle, um uh to my aunt and uncle's uh uh restaurant is really what it was. It was called Clark's Sundries. We called it the drugstore because they sold cough drops too. But uh, but it really was a restaurant. So we would go over there, and all of my dad's family would would be there for Christmas, and they all celebrated Christmas on Christmas Day. So we would all gather around. They would bring all of their gifts in, and particularly my cousin Benny. My cousin Benny was was the same age. He he was born same year I was born. We were in the same class. And, Really grew up good friends, lived across the alley right behind us, and and but he was an only child, and and he was spoiled. Let me give you an example of this. When growing up, I mean, I had hand-me-down toys and and broken toys that mom got at a garage sale. And I I had a I had an old uh, an old three-wheeled tractor. Now it wasn't a tricycle; it was supposed to have four, but it only had three. And I had to play with that three-wheeled tractor. Not Benny. Benny had all the Tonka trucks. I mean the the big bulldozers and dump trucks, the metal ones. Now they're all plastic. But he had all the great. He had an Oliver tractor that came with with life size. Uh, well, not life size, but 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 to fit it, a, a plow and a disc that went along with it. Benny would plant his own fields beside his house. He would take his little toy tractor and put the plow and plow the dirt and then the disc. And you know, and I'd walk over with my three wheeled tractor and kind of sit and watching in envy. So so on Christmas morning, I would sit and watch Benny. And his mom and dad would come in with, with clothes baskets full of toys. And he would open them one after another, after another, after another. And, and, and my, my granny Foreman, my dad's mom, didn't get us anything for Christmas, so we didn't even have a gift from her. We had to sit there and watch. And, and, now, now here's the reality. Mom, my mom could be watching. So our, we were blessed at Christmas. We really were. My grandparents took care of us. And, Mom and Dad uh, did the best they could, and we we were blessed because we had more than we deserved, and and so that wasn't the issue. But but there was a difference between what 
I went home Christmas with and what Benny went home with. Benny went home with fullness. So, so we're called to be full of Christ. If, if we check ourselves and we realize we have Christ in us, who's forgiven us, who's accepted us, then, then, then we're going to be okay. And one last thing he points out, he says, are you buried with Christ? Verse 11, in him, you who were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. He says you were put off. Let me ask the question. Are you buried with Christ? And and more specifically, let me ask you, have you thrown away? The the Greek word, there in verse 11 it says this, uh, it, it says, the whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when, and really what he's talking about is when you accepted Christ was put off. The, the Greek word there is apokekdusis. It, it means to strip off, but not just that. In fact, the, the, the word ekdusis means to strip off, but when you add the, the, the preposition apo, uh, and it's shortened to just op here, when you add that to the word, it doesn't mean just strip off. It means to, to, to strip off and toss aside. So the idea there is in practical sense would be one of, of taking off your clothes or taking off your armor. If you were a soldier, taking your armor up and doing something with it. Several years ago, uh, I led a team from Central Christian to, uh, to, to Mexico, to uh, Napa, and that that year we we did a couple projects. One of one of the teams, one of the, half of us were working on a casa's house. The other half was working on a, a building for Pastor Hector that was going to be an orphanage. So on on the last day we were there, Thursday morning, the casa's team, which I was a part of, left and we went and painted our house. and And the team that was working on the orphanage went to t- put tar on the roof. Uh, Pastor Hector had bought screws, but they didn't have the little sealing washers with them. So, so they had to go and take tar and seal, put a little tar on each, uh, screw head and, and on a few other, uh, seams and so forth. And, and so, so I got back. Our team that painted the house, we got back to the church and, and we're getting cleaned up and, and we saw the, the pickup truck and van come down the road that had the, the, the team that had been at the orphanage and they, they piled out of the truck, and these guys were a mess. They were covered in tar. Their shirts, their their jeans, their hands, a couple of them had a little on their face. They were covered in tar. But one guy jumped out of the truck, Malcolm Vaughn. Some of you know Malcolm. Malcolm was here a couple weeks ago for our 6K. Uh, Malcolm jumped out of the, the truck, and he didn't have any shoes on. And I went up to Malcolm and said, Malcolm, where's your shoes? He said, man, they were covered with tar. And I threw them away. In fact, when, when, when I get done here, I'm going to take my jeans and my shirt and I'm going to throw them away too. Um, have you been buried with Christ? What he means there is we, we put off our old nature. And, and, and it doesn't mean we just take it off and put it in a neat little pile close to us. 
So, so when it's convenient, we can grab that back on and slip that old way of life back on. That's kind of what we do sometimes. We're guilty of that, but, but it has the idea. If you're alive in Christ, what you do is you strip off the old nature, the old way of thinking, the old attitude, the old sin nature. You take it off and you don't just pile it close. You throw it away. You toss it aside. Am I alive? Am I alive in Christ? Well, did you receive him? If if you received him and you know him and he's the Lord of your life, even though you may not feel it, even though your feet may be up in the air spiritually at times, you are alive. Are you full of Christ as he filled you with completeness? Then you're alive. Are you buried with him? Have you accepted him? Uh, by by calling on His name, by being baptized, by committing yourself to Him? Have you tossed away the old way of thinking? If you have, I'm alive. Would you bow? Father, we pray this morning that, that we answer that question, am I alive, with a resounding yes. Uh, if we've received You, if we if we know you, if we've been full of you, if we're buried with you, Father, we're alive. Lord, give us strength and encouragement with that knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen.